Welcome to the Ultradent Products Podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Stace Lind. Dr. Lind is a teacher and lecturer internationally and nationally at dental schools and state dental societies concerning techniques, methods, and materials of composite placement, tooth whitening, and current endodontic concepts for the general practitioner. Dr. Lind has a general practice in Littleton, Colorado. Today, he will be discussing practice building through bleaching in the first of three practice building discussions. Hi, this is Stace Lind. I practice in Denver, Colorado. and uh, Here in Salt Lake for the... I'm in Salt Lake for a beautiful meeting, and uh, I've learned a lot. And now he's going to share some things with us. So, Dr. Lind, maybe you can share with our listeners some of the tips that you have for practice management and building your practice. One of the things I found early on in finishing up dental school and realizing that the person that was teaching practice management had three failed practices, <laughs> and he was trying to convince me how we should uh, not use computers but go to pinboard uh, scheduling and all sorts of antiquated uh, items. I collected my ideas on what I needed to do in the area that I wanted to practice at that was full of other dentists and uh, how I was going to build a practice from scratch. And you could use the same principles on whether or not you were going to purchase an existing practice or start your own. One of the first things I did was uh, provide whitening to as many people as possible. In, In looking at the market and starting a new practice, one of the things I found is people will shop prices, but they always buy value. Whether a person goes to a grocery store and looks at different cans of oil on the shelf or batteries sitting up by the counter, they may see EverReady and they may see Duracell. The first thing that we always do is we look at price and then we try to justify why they're different. Uh And patients will do the same thing. For example, patients, uh, there's a patient the other day, they called the office and, and asked, how much is a crown? And as my staff always does, they said, well, what kind of crown would you like? And they said, of course, a white one. We'd like a white crown. And then they proceed to say, well, the doctors informed us that there's over 28 different types of porcelains and and over six different types of all ceramic crowns. So which type of white one and how would you like it to fit? Maybe we better, it would be better would be to have you at the end of a day or during lunchtime or something, do a free consultation with Dr. Lind and and we'll sit down and sort of evaluate your needs because otherwise the patients think a crown is a crown is a crown. Right. The same thing happens with whitening products. Same thing happens with endo. A root canal is a root canal is a root canal. In putting this all together, I knew that I had to establish value in my practice and some of those ways that I established value because otherwise I'd just be competing by price. Mm-hmm. So the question is how cheap can I do it and how overworked can I be Yeah. and how much do I begin to do things that I don't enjoy? If you look at your children in the, in the room, if they begin to play a game, they'll quickly leave once they're bored of it. It's only the adults that force themselves to do something they don't enjoy. The children won't do that. So in finding the things that I enjoyed in private practice, in the ways that I wanted to do that, I knew that I had to attract new patients. Starting a practice from scratch with my wife and my mother being my only patients, <laughs> I knew I had to get a few other people in that could be paying. And how I did that was I first went to local areas. I walked to every business personally 
introducing myself to every business within about two to three square miles and handed them a little sheet to each business owner, offering them free whitening. And particularly the places of interest that were the most successful with that was hair salons, nail centers, a bonjour bakery. Just in the first year, they sent over 27 patients just from this little bakery of people that went in that was just down the block. And from the patients that I did whitening, and I found years later, and even now, the way we do whitening, in whitening 10 to 15% of my practice, it generates 45 to 50% more work. So I, I actually had to be careful about how many whitening cases I started doing because what happened was my schedule became too full too soon. Because in the first six months, uh, my wife was my dental assistant in front desk, and I was the hygienist and dentist. And all of a sudden, I ended up with a staff of 12 because we became so busy so fast. And in two and a half years, had my first partner. Two and a half, three years, had my uh, partner, Scott Lindsay, which has uh, created a lot of busyness for us. And so over the years, we've had to sort of control the flow of what we do in order to maintain quality because you can I don't care how good you are in in the process of practice you can lose quality by by balancing too many balls in the air uh, one or two you can do fine but whatever job you do when you're doing 12 or 13 the value goes down and I didn't want to lose value in the practice so what I did was I started looking at different whitening products and ways to help the patients do whitening in the safest way in a way that they could do it at home so I decreased the amount of chair time which was one safer for them and more effective for long-term whitening and we've seen in many of these patients how the whitening with opalescence years ago hasn't changed even with the coffee drinkers and it's never gone back to the same shade whether wine or coffee I always thought it'd go back immediately and these people we've touched up over the years. Yeah, you maybe get some dinginess, but it's not like you go all the way back to ground zero. Exactly. I mean, it takes a long time to get that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it's from hereditary uh, issues and developmental things that's happened. And so the teeth go to a place that they've really never been before. Mm-hmm. But as far as marketing and some of the things that we did with teeth whitening that were the most effective is... is I would offer whitening at literally just cost alone, $30, $40 at all the local high schools in order to, as a benefit to those that were graduating or before senior pitchers. I was doing things with local businesses, donating whitening for fundraisers, and all these have brought in so many people over the over the years that I've had to be very selective because it increases the amount of patient flow in a, in a major way. I think one of the things that dentists miss out on is they delegate things that they should do themselves. For example, when someone comes in for teeth whitening, and uh, they'll, most dentists I see, they'll turn around and have an assistant or a hygienist or someone sit down and explain teeth whitening or deliver the kit to the person so they can do something which they deem more important. 
but one of the best things to do when a mother brings a child over from a high school, let's say they're coming in for the whitening for the, the prom pictures, the person that decides where that family goes for medical and dental care is sitting right in front of you. And when you leave the room and someone else is left to explain and try to educate, you, you miss out on a beautiful opportunity because when you can look the mother in the eyes and say, I'm doing this and, and I'm, you know, the cost and everything is based because I care about the kids and it's all about them and not about me and I'm glad you came in. You can keep your dentist. I'm not trying to steal your business. And, but let's, let's answer some questions for you. What, what questions do you have about teeth whitening? Do you know how it works? Do you know why I selected the products that I've selected and why they're so safe? Let's talk about some of these issues and let's talk about managing any sensitivity if it were to occur. I found that sensitivity, if I find out if the patient is either sensitive to the sun, oversensitive to the sun, sensitive to uh, many foods, has a lot of alert allergies and, and reactions, then I, I I approach those cases much more selectively with the management of sensitivity. I may have them alternate every other day. Numerous cases I've found that those people that have a high rate of allergic reactions are overly sensitive to everything, including teeth whitening. Mm. So I start with a lower percentage and I manage sensitivity I will have them place the uh, potassium nitrate immediately after they take it out on a regular basis, whereas other patients I wouldn't. So I, t I let each patient that comes in the practice know that I'm customizing it for them. With the average adult patient, I deliver a 15% whitening gel, which some say isn't as safe. 10%, of course, if you want to be the ultimate safest uh, in delivery systems, 10% is always the safest. But many times with the adults, and particularly older individuals with darkened teeth, in your darker shades of teeth, I will start with a 15% and, tell, and I only deliver half of it. And I deliver the first half, the 15%, and then the other ones I hold back. And I tell them I'm doing this for them and that I'm interested in them getting the best success that they can with their teeth whitening, but it gives me the opportunity to be able to have the privilege to meet with them in one week to deliver the other half. Many patients over the years have told me that I've spent more time with them just in going through the whitening process, and these are typically scheduled during non-productive hours. I do my production in the morning, Afternoons are for all the light stuff, and it and it's doesn't really affect the office overhead. Why I do this is because when they tell me that I've spent more time with them than their dentist has in the last 10 years, it's it's quite a, a shocking thing. And, and unfortunately, I hear it way, way too much. But it gives me the value that they realize the value that whitening is instead of someone just handing something, because they can get that from the store counter. But when they get someone that is adept at looking at their, their health, where they're at, what shade they're at, when they come back, maybe if it's a little sensitive, stepping back to 10. If, if we need to kick it in a little bit more and, and they've got some tetracycline staining, I can go up to 20. And so they know that I'm customizing it for their progress in the whitening experience. And I tell them. You know, anyone that you send over, I will roll out the red carpet for, and we will take as good a care of them as we are of you. And so we welcome 
any referrals that you would send over, and they do. And the problem is with all all that I've shared with you just so far is you'll get too many patients too fast. That's just a, just as uh, an interlude to uh, some other things that we talk about with whitening. It just depends on what you want to uh, specifically talk about. Are you using any other types of whitening products in your practice besides just the take-home custom trays? Are you doing in-office whitening at all? Or? We do. We do. We, we, we are doing different aspects of whitening in our practice and, and some testing. So I, I am comparing with some trays, and I, Dr. Mattis and has given me some suggestions on how to do this and comparing a new system from some other companies mm-hmm. and seeing the comparison of what it's doing with what, the quality that we're getting with opalescence. And I'll be interested to see an IU, Indiana University, is doing the same study. And uh, we're going to be looking at, you know, what's happening between tray whitening and chair side whitening and chair side whitening without follow-up tray whitening. Mm-hmm. And to find out if there's really anything more than just the immediate effect with chair side whitening and what's the benefit with the follow-up versus no follow-up. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. But but we're doing a lot of opalescence quick where if patients, you know, we worry about them wearing 10% for three months or four months or even 15% or whatever it is based on tetracycline stain or, or maybe, you know, some real dark stains and, and some older individuals and the teeth, the composition of the teeth change as we get older and sometimes it takes a little bit longer to whiten up as fast as someone in their 20s or 30s that the opalescence quick in the front waiting room when I, when I show the patient how to use their 15 or 20% if we're doing it on someone that has very darkened teeth, highly darkened teeth, then I will start them off for an hour with uh, the opalescence quick in the operatory and then let them sit in the chair. Depending on the case, I will do opalescence extra boost right there chair side, one or two, sometimes three applications, and then follow up with some quick and send them home or sometimes not the quick. It just each case is different. I have to customize it for that patient. So the the quick is now a 45% carbamide peroxide and you just you don't use it on every patient just the people who have really dark teeth it, and just as a quick start. Exactly. Or, yeah. I I I select the cases. I would never I would never use it on someone that has teeth any higher value than A3 or A4. That that will be handled just fine by 10, 15, or 20 percent. The quickest for those shades that uh, are really out on the perimeter of our Vita Shade Guide, if you will. <laughs> Thanks for your tips on practice building using whitening. I'm sure our listeners will be eager to hear what you have to say in our next episode. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. For a full archive of Ultradent's podcasts, please visit podcast.ultradent.com. If you have ideas or suggestions for an upcoming podcast, please send an email to ultradentnews at ultradent.com. <laughs>